Hello everybody, welcome to the World of Brick Films podcast. I am your host, William of AW Studios. Joining with us as always is my good friend and co-host, Sean Willis of City Penta. Hello again. And our special guest today is Joshua Chawner of Hamster Productions. Hello, thanks for having me on this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know this one is um, a long time coming because we've been uh, actually talking about having you on uh, for... I guess years at this point. <laughs> Probably the best since the beginning. You know, we've had plenty of people in mind. Oh, that's that's very uh, that's great to hear because I've seen actually already <laughs> you've had some pretty big like stop motion uh, Lego stop motion names on this on the podcast. So I'm very I'm very happy that you thought of me, and uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to add my name to that list as well. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we've been very lucky, I suppose, with the the caliber of guests. You know. I, I think I feel like at the beginning we weren't exactly planning for it to be just like A listers the, the whole way through, pretty much. But it just kind of panned out that way. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed. I've listened to a few episodes actually, and um, nice. I enjoyed the uh, the episode with Forest Fire, uh, Forest Whaley, um, and also um, I really enjoyed the episode with. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name right, Maxime Marion mm-hmm. uh, from Studios yeah. Epsilon, because. Yeah. Uh, I love his series, Henry and Edmund, so yeah. it was great to hear uh, that podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maxime, definitely a highlight. I mean, well, I think after every podcast we say it's a highlight, but certainly <laughs> Maxime is great to talk to. He's, he was great at, you know, elaborating on everything. Yeah, I think uh, this, this what you guys are doing is great. Yeah, I'm glad to uh, contribute to this, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, list. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, it's mad because, like, I remember, I think... Literally, um, your bank robbery film, the London bank robbery yep. one. Yeah, um, That was literally like one of the like the very first brick films I, I must have seen. I think at least one of the like the first ones where like really left like an impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I remember Thanks. just like, oh god, I was just like the scale of it and everything. I just found it so amazing, and like yeah, like a huge like a huge inspiration to me that was from like pretty much from the beginning. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, uh, that's really kind, Will. Thanks. Like. A, a lot of work uh, went into that film. Uh, it was actually um, the last film I made before I moved on to using Dragon Frame. So uh, it's sort of the last classic hamster production, <laughs> I like to think, uh, where I, when I was recording that, I mean, I could see the, the frame of the image, but I was just shooting the animation blindly. I, I had no real idea what it looked like. Mm-hmm. I just sort of had to imagine uh, how the movement would come together in post-production as I was filming. You know, maybe I'd flick back and forth between the images with the arrow keys to yeah. sort of get an idea. Um, and uh, I also, for that film, I had a huge amount of help uh, from my uh, brother, Jacob, um, in making the, like, set. So you, you mentioned the the kind of expansive set. We, we just threw everything we had at it, like all the modular buildings we owned. Uh, we had, like wood that was just in the attic where i was recording at the time like holding things up so that's how we recreated like um roads going uphill or or whatever and like the bank of the 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 river um uh so yeah that was really fun it was really fun trying to recreate like a real place as well um you know we had like trafalgar square (laughs) in there and um it was actually also the first film i made where i set it at a particular time so i i chose to set it in the 50s can't quite remember the logic there but i just thought it'd be fun to do that so 
Um, oh yeah, I, I remember the, seeing a comment someone posting like, "Well, actually, uh, the uh, the flashing lights, you know, direction. What are they called? Um, oh, oh, the indicator." Yeah, the indicator. Oh, yeah, yeah. actually, indicator um, didn't. They weren't started being used until after nineteen fifty seven. That is that's the danger. You know, that's the territory I'm putting myself in when I choose to set it in a particular era. <laughs> I think like there were. I, I think my research for that film was on, at a very basic level. Um, I remember googling whether traffic lights existed, um, and I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they did, but I can't, I can't quite remember. The thing is, with things like that, you know, if the indicator or like whatever it is that you're you're including sort of adds visually, yeah, um, I think that's probably for a production like that, that's the priority over. Um, I agree. Yeah, per- perfect accuracy. Um, so, but yeah, it's funny when you get comments <laughs> like that. Um, but then I mean, like he didn't, you know, like the. And Elsa's column didn't sort of like, you know, a piece didn't break off, you know, in you know in the nineteen fifties either. But you know, <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. In fact, I should I should point out now that the uh, the entire plot was fiction. I should uh, let let everyone know. Um, yeah, so that, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I can't. I think I I just um, like the idea of making it have a bit of an old school feel, and that's kind of where I was going with that. Plus, of course, uh, and this is a very minor spoiler for those who have yet to watch the film, but the um, the the coin that appears at the end that's in the, the box, which is the focus of the film, um, it's like this two-shilling coin that my dad um, ha- had, uh, and that said, like, 1957 on it. So in my, in my mind, the this coin is being delivered to the bank in 1957 as a new delivery from the royal mint or whatever mm-hmm. um and that kind of chose the and of course the cinema says uh, showing the bridge on the river Kwai, which is from 1957 <laughs> yeah yeah i um that was kind of funny because basically i i chosen the date based on the coin um and then i was just like okay what can i just include in these like scenes to make it feel like 1957 so yeah yeah like i just googled like films that came out in 1957 and that was like uh just so happened to be a film that came out that year and uh so it's like right plaster that on the lego cinema uh and like all these random adverts i've got in like the tube station i just quickly drew them on a piece of paper um just researching anything that existed in 1957 um so that was a that was an interesting creative decision but Mm. But yeah yeah, and certainly when you're talking about the shooting blind where you have no playback and just flipping between the images the arrow keys yeah that's that's how i did it for far too long but um yeah (laughs) but yeah i I wanted to say yeah like what stands out to me the most about your work is not just how expensive the sets are but how expensive the scenarios are like you know it's not just people talking in a big set like there's so much movement and it it goes from set to set to set to set like it, mm-hmm. the events are massive you know all the vehicle chases and it just keeps moving and moving and, and and they're like 10 minute videos so like it's incredible how much work must go into all of these yeah uh yeah thank thanks sean um i i do appreciate that because um i think action and like like you say sort of well like um i suppose it's fairly obvious for stop motion the more stuff that's moving mm-hmm. the the more time consuming it is to film and i i sort of gained this philosophy of 
not shying away from expensive, like you say, expensive scenes. So yeah. in terms expensive in terms of time or, or or whatever. Because well, first of all, I love action sequences. Um, I think action sequences are one of the most challenging things, certainly in modern cinema, to achieve well. Uh, and quite often than they're not achieved well. And I think in the Lego stop motion community, action is definitely like something that's fun to do. So um, like for me, making an animation, it's all about, is this something I will absolutely enjoy making? Uh, and if the answer is yes, it usually means it's some like elaborate action sequence. <laughs> um, yeah. I think as well, like part of the reason I sort of went down that route as opposed to like more dialogue based films or um yeah um less movement is because i i would make a video every summer holiday um between my education so when i was at college um or well when i started when i was in high school um but then as the projects got more elaborate it was sort of i could only do it during my summer holidays uh, when i was at college and then later when i was at university and so every year, after like a year of sort of studying and academic work, I'd come home for the summer with this sort of great like creative energy, um, just sort of ready to like make whatever crazy idea I'd come up with that year. And so I think it was that energy that like sort of allowed me to like not hold back on like uh, time-consuming action sequences. Yeah. Um, so... I appreciate your comments. Yeah, it's very kind. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about how, like, if I was to look back at my own older Rick films, um, you know, that are mostly dialogue and there's not a lot of camera movement. There's no focus on, like, sets. Like, usually it's just one set. I'd be looking at them now thinking, oh, you know, the animation isn't very good because I wasn't using Dragon Frame and the timing isn't very good because I wasn't using Dragon Frame. Like, the timing of the animation to the dialogue. But, like, I can look at this and like even if you could technically do the animation better with Dragon Frame now, like it still holds up as an enjoyable watch because of of all the the other qualities like the yeah just the scenarios and the amount of movement. That's um that's really interesting. You say that now. F- first of all, I'm sure your your early videos hold up. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, in fact, I I've I remember your Benny and Lee series. Yeah. Uh, that was one that I enjoyed <laughs> uh, back in the the good old days of YouTube. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think your animations still hold up. Um, but I, I know, I, I know the point you're guessing at, um, something that's actually surprised me, uh, doing this is the sort of timelessness that my, um, films have seemed to develop, uh, particularly sort of my post 2010 films, um, starting with like the train chase. Yeah. Yeah. I get people commenting all the time saying like I watched this when I was a kid and it's like I always come back to it every so often mm-hmm. um and you're right it's like if if I'm being honest I I definitely think these films um probably all my films actually they're a little bit rough around the edges with the animation style so it's like it's definitely not the highest quality animation on YouTube in terms of uh the technique of the actual stop motion but they are like i said earlier what i didn't hold back on 
was the ambition of the film yeah. and like the sets and the action that was always like the number one priority for me and then basically my ability as an animator would come second to that <laughs> so uh or like as a filmmaker and well it it seems that that there is some benefit to having that philosophy um that i have been fortunate enough to witness uh, and that is that people yeah will will come back to watch the films I guess because of the the impact that the sequence or the narrative has on people. So yeah, that's a it's an interesting point, Sean. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know um, we're always seeing people in the Brickman community getting hung up on smoothness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And like the the thing is, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's great to like try and master your your technique, um, but. Yeah, I think different people work in different ways. And uh, yeah, I definitely was someone that... Yeah, I realised there wasn't... There just wasn't enough, like, mega action sequences out there. So I was like, right, that's that's going to be my focus. <laughs> I um, think, though, like, with... Um, what I think really stood out for me, like, watching... Because, you know, especially, like, the, the London Bank Robbery uh, film. Mm-hmm. Like, when I first saw it, it was like... Yeah, sure, I'd seen, like, brick films with, like... You know, like, I guess better animation or whatever. But, like... Um, I feel mm-hmm. like with, what really stood out to me with this one was just like this year, like you said, like the ambition and the scale of it and just like how it kind of just never seems like, you know, you have one thing that seems like really ambitious and well like set up and then it kind of keeps going on, it keeps going and it keeps going and like uh, it just keeps like getting bigger. Um, and I remember like that kind of stuff, it makes you kind of like, well, I guess sort of, yeah, sort of like laugh and you don't really know how else to kind of think, you know, how else, how else to kind of react to it. But like you find it just so like, wow, this just keeps going and you know, you just... Um, I remember, like, uh, I was so impressed by it. I was like, "Oh, I got to show my my dad this." You know, back in the day. <laughs> but um, no, no, it's like it's. Um, I think that's really, really kind of like the scale of it all. I, I think, especially with that and and um, the Great Getaway as well. Like that that mm-hmm. one is, is another one that was really just oh, like yeah, the Great Getaway, the huge standout. Yeah, yeah. thanks, and uh, yeah, shout out to the the Great Getaway. Uh, that's actually um, well. First of all, thanks for those kind words, Will. Um, yeah, the, the the Great Getaway um, is actually, well, I think was my favourite one that I'd made. Uh, perhaps the my latest one, the Barracuda Heist, has overtaken that. I've not quite made my mind up. But yeah, the, the Great Getaway, although it hasn't, um, let's say, performed as well on YouTube, it still has a very special place in my heart. And I've had a, a, a lot of people have say very positive things about that, that film. So going back to the, the the first point you mentioned that they, they just sort of seem to keep going, I think um, what's interesting with my uh, process for making a film is I, I never really know how long it's going to end up. And I guess that's true for stop motion in, in general. I think it's a, a medium that's actually very true to life where when you start animating, okay, you can try and predict where things are going to go, but sometimes things can sort of take on a... a a mind of their own as you're yeah, animating. Uh, you never quite know what that end state's <laughs> going to be. So I, I always aim for like 10 minutes, but then uh, that kind of developed naturally, to be honest, just from the fact that I would start a project, let's say like the London bank robbery, I'd start filming it. I'd have my storyboard, like rough storyboard laid out. And, you know, when you're halfway through a project, you can't just, you know, even if it's taking longer than you expect, you can't just give up, right? Because then you've... <laughs> you've lost yeah. your, your first half so that's i think that's where that kind of wow this keeps on going doesn't it feeling comes from 
because I was probably experiencing that myself when I was making it. It was just like, okay, I'm like, I was expecting it to be done by now and I'm only halfway through, but I'm going to see it, see it off anyway. I'm going to make mm-hmm. sure it's done. Yes, that has um, happened to me where I suddenly realize, oh, this is going to be longer than I initially anticipated when I started making it at this scale. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it can be like a really... Um, it can be a really bad feeling, I suppose, depending on uh, where you are with your other work or whatever uh, going on in your life at that point. Sometimes you want a project to be done because you need it to be done, um, but like you've got to, you just got to fight through that and get it, get yeah. it done. Yeah. I actually um, did want to briefly I mention as well because um, you, you recently um, finished your you got your PhD in in physics. Um, yes, I so I want to sort of you know, quickly kind of uh, yeah, congratulate you on that. Um, Thank you very much. And because uh, you've been you've been pretty busy as well on, on with that as well. On, on top of all the brick filming side of things, um, you've uh, a couple of years ago now you did the um, the world's coolest Lego sets video, which is really really cool. I actually watched that. Um, we watched it again earlier, and um, you so you actually managed to freeze um, a Lego minifigure to like the coolest possible temperature. Uh, so yeah, really, really interesting video. Um, actually, won a couple of awards as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed that film. That was um, definitely an interesting, a really interesting project for me. Yeah. So, and also, thanks for uh, mentioning my PhD. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So basically, you know, I was kind of halfway into my PhD, and uh, while I was doing my PhD, so while I was whilst I was at university doing my um, undergraduate and masters i i did have the time to do brick films during my summer holiday but that my brick filming had to sort of take a step to the side as i entered my phd because well a phd let let me tell you it's a a full-time job um (laughs) so my brick film was taking a step to the side but my youtube channel i was trying to sort of keep it alive i would sort of release something now and then and um yeah but essentially uh one of my colleagues at the university approached me uh aware of my youtube channel and sort of said you know why don't we you know we're surrounded by all this amazing cooling technology so so i should say um uh, i did my phd at lancaster university and lancaster university's physics department um has one of the best centers uh, in the world for uh refrigeration technology yeah, so essentially my, my colleague, uh, Dima, uh, approached me and said, why don't we just send a Lego figure to the coldest temperature in the <laughs> universe? And we just sort of thought, yeah, let's let's just make a film about this and see, see what happens. Um, so I should also point out that the refrigerators at Lancaster uh, Physics Department, um, they go down to, I think it's like a thousandth of a degree above absolute zero so for those of you who don't know there is actually a minimum temperature you can reach um i think it in celsius it's like minus 273.15 thereabouts uh celsius i don't know what it is in fahrenheit and yeah so it's like a thousandth of a degree um celsius or kelvin above that zero point and uh yeah, the whole thing was a runaway train, though. So we, we, we put the, the Lego figure in the fridge and we decided we may as well put some Lego bricks as well in and measure the thermal conductivity through them. So essentially how good of a thermal insulator they are. Um, and it turned out, to, to our surprise, they are an extremely good insulator. In fact, um, 
on par, if not better, than the industry standards. Um, so we were like, right, well, I guess we're going to have to write a paper on this. <laughs> so I had a very bizarre set of, uh, I think it was a few weeks I've, I spent writing the paper. Uh, I just remember thinking, this is so weird. I'm writing a physics paper for a physics journal, which involves Lego. This is just very bizarre. Anyway, I wrote the draft uh, and I sent it out to like my colleagues at the department. Uh, and the next day, they're all coming into the lab saying, all with comments on the paper, like, this is genius or this is ridiculous or what what, what is going on with this paper? <laughs> anyway, so we, we got it. We got it sent off to a journal. It got published. Uh, and of course, I made the film uh, about it. And the, the whole thing was an incredible experience. And like you say, that the film won... Uh, two awards it came first place at the bristol science film festival and first place at the uh, vienna science film festival which sadly i couldn't uh, go to because of covid but um we we still won anyway so that that was nice (laughs) but yeah that's a bit of an overview of that whole project anyway what was really crazy as well was that your your paper um you said in the in your announced in your uh, like update video it got like uh, up to like 120,000 views um, and it went viral on Reddit as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was, it's kind of unheard of for an academic paper to sort of uh, get that level or, well, it's very it's very rare um, uh, to get that level of attention. So that was just kind of just very strange because I expected the video would get, you know, a considerable number of views because a video is something that's kind of, it's designed to be accessible to everyone, uh, you know, like a YouTube video. Um, but academic papers, unless they're on some very groundbreaking result, they usually don't get so much traffic. So to see the paper get as as many reads as the, the video got views was um, kind of phenomenal, really. I, I was kind of blown away uh, by the response. And yeah, it did go viral on Reddit. Uh, I had a lot of fun reading through the Reddit comments. Um, yeah, I, a lot of lot of very good comments, a lot of not so good comments. Uh, it was very fun anyway for me to read through them. So yeah, I mean that that was that was probably the most amazing part of the project. To be honest, was just how many people read the paper. <laughs> but I was going to say now that things are starting to open back up again, suddenly I'm I'm wondering if we'll see the return of the Cinebrick Festival because. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think you've had some brick films place in Cinebrick before. Yes, um, Cinebrick, yeah. Um, Cinebrick uh, is actually the only Lego animation-specific film festival I've ever submitted to. Uh, I'm hoping that may change in the future. And yeah, I had a, a wonderful time. In, uh, just before I started my PhD, I actually went to Portugal to... Mm. Uh, the first time my films were being shown there, I went to sort of see the event. Yeah, it's a wonderful event. It's it's run by uh, Carlos. Shout out to Carlos. <laughs> and they have like a side, there's like, it's sort of a sister event, this like Lego fan event where people bring their creations. And uh, yeah, I've come second place there twice. So I came second place there in 2016 with the London bank robbery that we mentioned. Uh, and then the next year in 2017, I came second place with the uh, Great Getaway. And then uh, I stopped making brick films when I started my PhD um and then of course now that i've gone back into brick filming um they've been closed because of covid so i'm really hoping it will come back yeah uh, now that you have a new brick film (laughs) yeah yeah 
maybe one day, maybe one day I can get first place. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Maybe I'm just going to be in second place forever. But um... I've kind of been thinking that if it does come back, you know, uh, we might be able to get some some interest in getting a whole bunch of brick filmers to actually fly out. Do you know, Sean? That that would be honestly amazing. That that yeah. would be great. Um, because actually, well, in 2016 when I went, I was the only brick filmer, at least that I'm aware of, who was there. I did ask Carlos, and he, he said I think I was the, yeah. He said I was the only one. <laughs> so I think like that idea is is brilliant. It, it, it would honestly be great to like sort of. Um, generate a sort of more in-person brick filming community i think yeah um so that 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 should definitely happen if it comes back yeah yeah it's kind of funny that we've been talking about that more ever since we weren't able to do it that's that's kind of what really is put the idea more into people's heads that's that's the funny thing yeah um it's one of it I guess like before before the pandemic and stuff people's lives are so busy that they guess they wouldn't really consider doing something like that um whereas now maybe people are sort of yeah we're kind of looking to um create these communities again um but yeah i think that's a solid idea in fact i was gonna ask like if there's any other um brick film specific film festivals that i should be entering my stuff into please please let me know um because i've been sort of traversing the internet to try and find any appropriate film festivals for my uh latest film uh, I did ask Carlos about uh, Cinebrick 2022, and he said it's a sort of maybe at this point. So we can have our fingers crossed anyway. Yeah, I sure hope so, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course, we were very happy to see that when your new Brick film came out. And, um, yeah, I was actually, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, you were talking about, like, keeping your YouTube channel alive, but, like, it had been a good few years since your last major Brick film. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like... To see that the new film has nearly seven hundred thousand views in a couple of months, like yeah, I'm actually I'm impressed that your channel had had enough juice in it still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm very lucky, I think, in that respect, to be honest, um, because I was concerned that my channel would decline during my PhD, and actually, in, in a lot of ways, it has declined during my PhD. But something that hasn't gone away is um kind of this base of like uh fans that i think these are people who grew up watching my uh, older films and you know every time i would release a video it doesn't matter what it was you know i did a sketch uh, in 2020 and i did a the update video um september last year um everyone would say, oh, you know, welcome back or, or, or have all these amazing <laughs> kind messages for me. And mm. that was really touching to see that. And it made me realize that actually, you know, I hadn't lost everything with my channel, that there was still people who wanted to see more uh, animations from me. So that definitely gave me like um, kind of a little bit of momentum with working on a brick film after I hadn't worked on one, a major one for like four years. Um, because I felt like, it, well, at least there's some people out there who are going to enjoy it. And uh, like you mentioned, um, now that I have released the film, so I released it only December of uh, last year, uh, and it's now just the beginning of March. Um, and yeah, the the response has been uh, really fantastic to see. Um, I was actually very nervous when I uploaded it because I, I simply didn't re- know really what the response would be like but i'm very pleased to say that the response has been great 
um mm-hmm. and like you say the views are coming in um so yeah i think it's uh, a good indication that i should probably make more so yeah um, <laughs> yeah that, that's nice to hear yeah because i mean the film was excellent i really enjoyed watching it thanks sean yeah, yeah thanks thanks well um yeah i i sort of like i was sort of saying earlier i i didn't hold back with the um yeah when i when i was writing the the film um and i probably went a bit too ambitious with it it ended up taking a lot longer than i expected and i think part of this was i actually was developing the idea for this film whilst writing my thesis for my phd so during lockdown in 2020 i had a lot of time for like you know with everyone everything locked down uh the only activity i was really doing was sort of walking around lancaster lancaster um if you don't know, it's northwest of England. It's a very beautiful area to live. So there's lots of places to walk. And I would sort of, every day while writing my thesis, I'd have a break where I'd do a walk. And I just sort of had these ideas for this film. I think when it, when you're working on something like a thesis, it's like quite, um, can be quite stressful at times. Sometimes that's when you can be at like your most creative. So yeah. because it's kind of like you're escaping from your work, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So like I go on these walks, and I just have all these crazy ideas and I'd be listening to like music as well, um, to sort of bring these ideas to life in my mind. And that's uh, where the plot for this film was born on those walks. And so when it came to when I finally handed in my thesis at the end of twenty twenty, um I was doing some part-time work at the university for a bit and I started working on the the brick film. I sort of realized as I started filming like I went probably a bit too ambitious of this. Um and it took me I was only expecting to be filming for like 3 4 months but it actually ended up taking like 6 7 months of just for the filming. Uh and then I had to do the editing after that. So um but it seems to have paid off. People seem to like it. So um there you go. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, yeah, the ambition really keeps it engaging for the full nearly 15 minutes. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that it ended up being 15 minutes long. Um, that's definitely... Uh, is that my longest brick film? I think it is my longest brick film. Um, certainly my longest, like, action-based brick film. No, it definitely is my longest brick film, actually, thinking about it. Yeah. What's you know, impressive with that as well is that it doesn't feel like that, you know? <laughs> it goes by really quickly. Okay, all right. I'm I'm glad because I was very concerned actually that it was going to be a little bit too long, uh, and that might put people off. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm pleased to hear that it's engaging. Um, and actually, I have had some friends come up to me and uh, and people in the YouTube comments as well saying that like you know they properly got like engrossed in the narrative, you know. Um, and yeah, the 15 minutes just flies by. Um, I'm really pleased that's how people feel um, and that they don't get bored halfway through um, because that was a concern for when I realised how long it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> I did actually consider at one point releasing it in two parts, but but I'm glad I didn't. I think it I think it deserves to just sort of be a single film. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thanks guys. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that uh, you found it engrossing. Anyway. I actually um, wanted to briefly mention, uh, came to mind uh, just earlier then, uh, kind of on the on the other end of the scale when it comes to like sort of like how ambitious your films are. I think um, <laughs> I was just reminded of um, I think one of possibly the first film I saw of yours, which is um, Gollum does Gangnang Style in Lego. <laughs> 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 I remember absolutely loving that. I think it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> 
Wow, yeah. I, you know what? I wasn't expecting that one to be brought up. To be honest, I, I sort of forgot that Brick film existed. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a really interesting one. I think um, I was at university when I made that, and it was the Christmas break. And yeah, I my brother was getting all the like Hobbit Lego sets, or Lord of the Ring Lego sets, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So and also when I was at when I went to university, I was a fresher in 2012, and Gangnam Style was like the biggest thing <laughs> that had ever happened. Um, so somehow the two things combined, and I created the masterpiece that is Gollum's Gangnam Style uh, in Lego. Um, I think that was actually like my first and perhaps only attempt to make something topical. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I never... It didn't catch on. I don't think I ever tried again. <laughs> um, but yeah, sh- shout out to that film. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just love, like, the you know the end when um, Frodo comes and shoots him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where that idea came from. Um, yeah, and then, like, the Looney Tunes ending as well. It's just a mashup of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the... Now I was saying about how much the uh, Lego you know, London Bank Robbery inspired me. It has one of the first break films I ever saw. I, I think mm-hmm. the same kind of applies to that as well. I think you know both both of them were very inspirational to me. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad to hear yeah, that. Well, they're on equal footing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm hoping the Bank Robbery one was was a little bit more inspirational than the, uh, the, the, yeah. the Gollum. <laughs> Gollum does going to sell, but. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really pleased um, to hear that uh, my films could act as inspiration for you. And um, actually, I've had o- over the years, I've had more and more people comment s- similar sorts of things to what you're saying. That like, oh yeah, this is one of the first brick films I saw and got me into brick filming. Um, I, I recently did a live stream. I'm, I'm trying to do a live stream every Christmas. Um, and there were some people on there who were new to brick filming, but they were saying how they were inspired by my films, and uh, we actually watched some of their brick films, and it's, it's very flattering to hear people say things like that, because, of course, when you make these films, you never think, like, oh, yeah, this is something that's going to inspire people. It's just sort mm-hmm. of like a... It's like a... Well, when it, these early brick films, it's just like a hobby, really, but now that brick filming is like a whole world of itself it's kind of it's it's like a, a world of brick films yes <laughs> very good very good <laughs> yeah it's yeah I don't, you've derailed my train of thought there <laughs> um, yeah it's like it's it's nice to be established as kind of one of the um the early animators uh and to have your films um yeah inspire people to make their own Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that is um, it, it's funny like obviously I've been pursuing sort of a career in academia with my physics but like I think it's that the joy of making films and like the joy of seeing people inspired by your films is what I think keeps pulling me back to Lego animating there is definitely like a huge level of satisfaction I get from that that actually I don't think any other job I could do would, would yeah. give me so yeah but of course speaking of like influences again we ought to ask if there's any films that particularly inspired you or yeah you know what were maybe some of the the earliest brick films you were watching when you started brick filming yeah I, that, okay so this is a great question uh sean and uh actually when i heard when i when you invited me to be part of this podcast i started like my brain went into like 
overdrive thinking like oh what were like all the films that did inspire me because there are loads to be honest uh and it it it, it all comes uh from that like initial wave i think in like 2007 to 2009 that kind of early uh youtube young youtube brick film wave uh which which i was part of but my stuff at that time was very low quality whereas there were already some pretty amazing animations actually being uploaded at that time so yeah, well, I actually... a, a lot of the best ones were re-uploads the, the stuff that people had been making for years prior on brickfilms.com like the letter i, I did you ever see the letter because it kind of reminds me of your stuff with all the traffic and the people walking around and so much yeah. activity um who's who's that by again is that it's the one where a guy called james fm okay I, i'm pretty sure i will have seen it is that, is that the one where there's a guy with a letter and he's getting chased by like a whole bunch of people? Well, or... he's, he's not exactly getting chased, but he just keeps on having unfortunate incidents. Like he keeps getting knocked over or, you know. I, I'm almost certain I've seen these. Yeah. Um, that That's, uh, yeah, that kind of comedy is like a classic. Uh, it's a very classic, like 2007 brick film era sort of um style but like you said like a lot of these brick films that uploaded at that time did come uh were, were made before um so for example uh i, I actually made a list of brick films because I, I thought i'd forget some of them but um one of the first brick films i really enjoyed was out of time by mm-hmm. oblong pictures and in fact oblong pictures uh which i believe is run by chris salt was one of the first like um youtube channels that i i really like fell in love with like his style of like stop motion very like at that t- at that time it was like very smooth um and also like you'd have like really good comedy and so out of time i really enjoyed that was about like these two guys going for a sunday walk and then like these time travels from the 80s just appear yeah um, <laughs> it's a great yeah i really love that one like I, it's um it's one of the all-time classics yeah, sure, it, yeah, it is one of the all-time classics. Yeah, and it, deservedly so. I also like his um, "Where'd the Cheese Go?" Um, yeah. I think I remember listening to that uh, whilst making my own animations, just because it was like such a strange, like such a strange song, but such a great video. Uh, but I think "Out of Time" was actually made in two thousand and three. But like, like yeah. you said, he re he reuploaded it um, in like the two thousand seven era. That that one inspired me to try and up my quality, I think, of film. I sort of realised, like, how good Lego animation could look. Um, mm-hmm. I also remember getting a similar kind of uh, feeling from Mind Game Studios, um, who I uh, would watch back then as well. And there were some other people. So there was... Have you guys heard of Funny Boys Films? Yeah. Um, by Simon Lunt? Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed his content. He did, like, zo- uh, I think a zombie film and, like halloween agm um i really enjoyed all of them yeah this this stuff would be pretty much unknown these days but i remember yeah (laughs) yeah this is this is the funny thing though like a lot of these early animations which uh which at the time would have been seen as very big and like basically everyone who's brick filming at the time would have watched them it's like yeah by today's youtube standards it's like no one's heard of them do you know what i mean yeah um, for sure i i've kind of been trying to you know bring back at least a little bit of awareness to the older stuff in recent years yeah i think um i think that's a good idea because there's a lot of good stuff there um have you seen the lego beer song by andreas <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Now that's one that I think people still know about nowadays. I mean, who doesn't know the the beer song? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that 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 achieved like a level of um, fame that I think did take it just outside, like outside of just the brick filming community. I mean, it's yeah, it's an it's an all time classic. In fact, I I think they recently uploaded like maybe last year some. Um, extra footage yeah. uh, regarding that film but I, i've not seen that yet but i but i want to yeah I, I i did see that it was like for the 15 year anniversary of the beer song they they put up it was it was a lot of footage of it it was like 15 or 20 minutes it was wow basically the beer song had actually been just one short clip out of a much longer film but the longer film was never finished i think maybe the audio wasn't done i don't, I don't know i can't remember now if the if the footage they uploaded had any audio apart from the beer song clip but mm-hmm. but yes so so there's a there's a much greater story behind the beer song and it was actually made in 2004 but just uploaded in 2006 right YouTube. okay gosh but, you know, yeah nobody I mean, nobody had ever seen it before then like it wasn't posted on brickfilms.com in 04 it was just they just sort of had it on their computer yeah waiting to be shared with the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, okay I, i'm very intrigued by this like uh, grand motion picture they they were working on. I, I'm trying to figure out how that like um, how that song can fit into like a a greater narrative. Um, so that that will be interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, that, that's an absolute classic. I, I'm pretty sure there's like more um, classics that, that I'm that I'm forgetting as well. I mean, of course, everyone remembers the Eddie Izzard Lego clips as well. Um, that. that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's something that, like, I actually have people all the time when they learn about, you know, my Lego animation, they always mention, oh, I watch these Eddie Izzard clips, you know, Darth Vader at the canteen in Lego, um, these kind of things, or Cake and, cake or Death, and th- 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 they they were probably like, I don't know, c- could we say they were like the first properly, like, viral brick films? I don't know, M- maybe not, but they're, they're definitely one of the first. Because uh, everyone, I mean, everyone I know has watched them. Yeah. The only thing I remember about those is being terribly confused as to why they got so many views when they were of such low quality. <laughs> That's the funny thing. Yeah. And and again, it falls back to the fact that sometimes it's the uh, the content that draws the viewer in over the actual like techniques, shall we say, of, of the the film. Which in some ways is a bit of a shame because obviously then you get some people working on a masterpiece and then uh, it doesn't do as well. Um, even though a lot more work's gone into it. But yeah, those Eddie Izzard clips, I mean, they're probably only a few frames, but um, <laughs> everybody's watched them. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of funny, though. Like, I, I remember that with... Um, again, when I was, like, first getting into brick films, where, I'd, you know, I'd watch some, you know, videos where it will be audio from, like, from something else. Um, that, And that's the only kind of thing that really makes it kind of, like, why people like it um because <laughs> the actual video itself is kind of like you know there's like a couple of frames you know i've seen a few you know i remember watching a few like that at the time yeah so funny. yeah if the like you say the audio or whatever engages with people then uh that yeah that does help the video do well um, so the break filmers were doing tiktok before tiktok yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah that's that's another thing. It's like with TikTok coming up. Sometimes I wonder, like, should I do animation for TikTok? But um, nah, I don't think I will. <laughs> I feel like too much of a boomer to learn about new websites at this stage. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, know YouTube. <laughs> I think as well, like um, 
one of the things I enjoy about animating is at the end of your hard work, you have a film um, that is, you know, you know, it it's it feels like your filmmaker. Do you know what I mean? You, you've you've you you know, you do the stop motion, you do the sound, you do the editing and everything, and you've created a film that can be enjoyed on YouTube yeah. or whatever. Whereas, like for TikTok, it's sort of like it doesn't have that feel. It's just sort of like you're making content, and making content is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, I I'd rather make something with like yeah. Um, a narrative, you know, yeah, I in, agree. in landscape. Yeah, I think with that kind of thing as well, there isn't like a, it's not like it's a, a right or wrong sort of like perspective. It's more of a how do you see the stuff that you make? Do you see it more as like videos or do you see it more as like films? Yeah, and that, I definitely think yeah. that like with that like with YouTube, what I like is you know having a playlist of of evergreen content basically, where it's like this is my filmography rather than it being like here's a video that kind of like within you know like a couple of days it's like gone now it's the next one do you know what i mean yeah absolutely absolutely and i think like um you know i i do think brick films i mean as the name suggests they are films they're not they're not videos so like we've been discussing uh throughout this podcast we're talking about all these old brick films that exist that we might still rewatch today um you know and if they're brick films that are coming out that um yeah people will be watching for years to come it's it's not just like passive content it's you know brick films can tell a story they can be entertaining um they can make the audience feel a certain way just just like you know live action films can so um I, that's one of the things I like about the medium is actually that, uh, yeah, it's not just creating content, it's creating uh, movies, films. Yeah, I mean, I had that, specifically I had that in mind when making my most recent major brick film project, I was thinking to myself, you know, this is far too niche to get a lot of views. And I, I know that uh, fine, all fine and well, but like, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking to myself, I better make this good enough that hopefully for years to come, people will still say, hey, this is a good brick film and, you know, point other people to it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, well, the thing is, I think stop motion actually is uh, kind of a um, a timeless medium in of itself. It's like, I mean, stop motion, I think, is having a bit of a resurgence just generally because it does have a nice aesthetic to it. Um, but like um, when you make a stop motion film, you know, as long as your camera's um, semi-decent, it, it it doesn't lose its like charm over time. Yeah, charm um yeah so yeah uh, if you if you make a yeah when you make a brick film there's no real limit on uh how long it can be enjoyed for and uh yeah just going back to the point we're making earlier i think it, it all comes down to the the creator about what content they're happy creating so like we're discussing you know um with our brick films it's like we like to make something that um makes us satisfied that we've created something good and of value uh that can be watched for however long um you know it's not just a sort of uh a, a job that you kind of like we just need to get from a to b and get it done it's like you want to get this level of satisfaction from the process and create something um of value um yeah. and yeah that that's how i see it anyway to go to backtrack a little bit, I wonder, would you have anything in mind that you could point to that might have 
inspired your style? Like, were there any brick films or maybe things that aren't brick films that uh, inspired the like, you know, m- expansive sets and the scenarios you have in your brick films? Because, you know, this it's pretty unusual, like unlike most other brick films. Mm-hmm. Or was it just from straight from your imagination? So, actually, the inspiration for my style probably comes from uh, outside uh, brick films. So um, I certainly got inspired by some of the brick films I mentioned earlier for like realizing the um, potential of the medium. Yeah. Um, but actually, my style. Um, when I was a kid, I would be obsessed with. Uh, action sequences so um probably the most direct inspiration i had was wallace and gromit Mm -hmm. um created by nick park of ardman animations in bristol and um in particular the episode the wrong trousers uh, which is an absolute masterpiece and uh, for me personally it's the best stop motion animation ever made possibly the best short film ever made <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh i encourage anyone who's not seen it to to watch it and um anyway the, the whole film was a masterpiece it's sort of a, a stop motion take on like classic uh, horror films but mixed with this like lancashire uh, this elderly lancashire man and his dog um and uh it's it's brilliant but in particular was the train chase sequence at the end uh which is an absolutely fantastic action sequence and definitely a, a direct inspiration for me i think actually um when when i when i'm creating my animation sometimes i think like can i take the feeling i get when i watch that train chase from Wallace and Gromit <laughs> And essentially turn that into a 10-minute video. <laughs> yeah, that, that um, makes a lot of sense. I can totally see the connection there. Yeah, okay. Um, For sure, yeah. Uh, and also something else that isn't stop-motion related that was an inspiration was uh, Indiana Jones. I was obsessed with the Indiana Jones films um, <laughs> when I was younger. I would re-watch them all the time. And just that um, sense of uh, adrenaline you get when you watch the action sequences in an Indiana Jones film you know, with um, vehicles chasing each other. I think there even is a train chase at the beginning of one of them. Um, you know, motorbikes, boats, cliff edges, people falling off stuff. Um, you know, all of that uh, was definitely a direct inspiration that I funneled into um, my animations. Um, and uh, I think that those two are the main elements for, that, that contributed to my love of making action sequences um so yeah I, unfortunately there, there weren't that many like actual lego animation action sequences that there are plenty now but when i started there weren't so many um there, there, there were some though i think but i yeah i mainly got my inspiration from outside of lego stop motion yeah that's what i was thinking like that the, the brick films you were mentioning as the ones you were watching early on you know they're not particularly similar to the stuff you would go on to make yourself so yeah 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 so i think it was yeah the mixture of uh, the the inspiration from seeing what people could do with brick filming um and then on top of that uh, these other passions in in film that i that i had um that kind of combined yeah Mm -hmm. that's a great way to do it yeah to bring in multiple sources of influence 
yeah i i think it's it's worked for me quite well um <laughs> well i think you can definitely there's definitely um like whenever someone does that with brick films you can really tell like there's influence outside of just you know other brick films um and i think it it's always good um i mean you know i, I think it's great to you know be inspired by brick films of course but like i think it's also good to kind of like um expand what you know things you could be influenced from Mm-hmm. Um, with mm-hmm. you know whether it be like live action or other forms of stop motion like you know Watson Gromit something like, something like that um, because I think it enables you to, to do things that maybe you don't actually you haven't actually seen uh, that often within brick filming um, and yeah I think that's something that I definitely feel like uh, you managed to achieve with you know your, a lot of your like sort of chase you know action orientated films was that kind of sense of doing something that wasn't necessarily you know totally taken influence from another book film you know yeah yeah i i agree um i think i did realize that i was bringing something new to the scene um when i really got involved uh, in watching other people's brick films and um struggling to find like um these like long action sequences uh that i was making but that being said of course i only really started doing the animation action sequences um around 2010 or 2011 i think that's when i started the police chase trilogy um mm. and uh i think maybe by that point other people were starting to um do more ambitious action sequences in their films yeah I've, i actually have an animator down here pe668 i'm not really sure <laughs> how uh to to pronounce it but i think he did some like kind of more actiony based uh, stuff as well yeah, um well- the funny thing is, I've actually picked one of his films for the, the showcase segment specifically because it reminded me of your work. Okay, brilliant. Well, there, there we go then. <laughs> there we go. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a classic uh, animator. I, I, I loved his stuff uh, when yeah. I got into brick filming. Um, yeah, he had, he had actually had an amazing frame rate. But anyway, perhaps we could discuss that when we get to the <laughs> showcase. Um, but yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, that's like one person. There's there's not a lot you could point to that were similar yeah, at that time I, period. I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure the the thing is, I'm just know I'm going to find all these like amazing <laughs> action sequences after this podcast that people have made. Um, it's just like right now, I can't I can't think of many. Um, we did mention Studios Epsilon. I know his copyright film had a good action sequence in it. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to and think of course, when that came out. He though. also mentioned, you know, the Wallace and Gromit influence. It, it, it comes oh, really? up pretty often on this podcast, yeah. Okay, I, you know what? I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm pretty sure Wallace and Gromit has inspired a lot of stop-motion artists, uh, Lego or otherwise. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, as I said, it's, it's an absolute masterpiece. Um, There's actually, this is going sort of way after, like, what, you know, this is, this is way more recent, um, but... Uh, I don't know if you've heard of um, Alexander Studios. I have. Th- this is the guy that does like um, Lego people go swimming or something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah, kind of funny because like train chase as well. Yeah. Yes. Like a train of course, crash. he did the train chase with the with the uh, the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 That that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. His stuff is actually really impressive, even though on the surface it. <laughs> you'd be forgiven for thinking it's just going to be a youtube kids core but yeah but then if you actually give it a chance it's it's, it's really good yeah yeah, yeah. actually I, I haven't i haven't really talked about like that for, for like a really long time but like yeah are you, are you kind of like 
familiar with the, I guess, the kind of era of, like, um, I guess, like, Michael Hickox, but also, like, Michael Hickox kind of, like, uh, clones. <laughs> uh, and a lot of, like, very kind of, like, brick films are very generic, net, like, titles. Mm-hmm. Like Lego Shopping or Lego Shark Attack or, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, no, I... <laughs> I am aware of this uh, this wave of, of films and um, it's one of those things where um, obviously this content resonates with like a lot of people, like those videos do really well uh, and they are like kind of adorable to watch, uh, like yeah, like you say, Lego people go shopping or whatever. Um, yeah, I can see how they kind of appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can see it as well. I think people like seeing reflections of the real world in Lego form. And I think that's what these videos tap into. It's kind of quite, uh, yeah, like I said, it's kind of cute to, to, to watch. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly not something that particularly resonates with me, but I appreciate mm. that a lot of people <laughs> enjoy that content. Um and uh yeah i think those guys are doing a great job at making uh all all these different scenarios um but you know i feel like it would actually be interesting to examine your work uh, and then compare it to those people um and sort of you know if somebody wanted to learn like how to make something really good your stuff has really good pace to it you know it's really fast paced and it keeps moving and but i feel like a lot of those youtube kids channels they're so slow and there's just so much walking like it takes forever to get just the next thing that happens yeah it's yeah uh... i remember that yeah i like like a sort of uh, a 30 second opening sequence of just someone walking to a location just to <laughs> absolutely yeah because like lego lego walking takes up a surprising amount of time do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like especially as an animator like um but yeah, I do, do you know what I think it is? I think those films it's like like you're saying it's um I think it's parents putting it on for their kids, you know, because yeah. parents I mean it's probably an absolute godsend for parents that they can have this <laughs> access to all these Lego animations that keep their kids occupied um and um well, and then they can just do whatever they want while their kids watch YouTube. It's kind of ideal. Um so yeah, I guess like as a kid, you probably don't care that the walking takes thirty seconds. But yeah, as as adults, it's kind of like get on with it. We want to see something happen. Yeah. Um, but it's funny though. I was just gonna say that I feel like in a way, um, that kind of wave of of like very sort of children kind of oriented, uh, kids oriented brick films. They they're kind of like I'd say like from like twenty ten to like I don't know. I was just I was just thinking then. Have we kind of got to a point where it's almost sort of plateaued or like not really? Well, you know, they changed the prevalent. algorithm. There was you know controversies with YouTube Kids. Yeah. So it's sort of it's partially killed off that wave. Right. Okay. Because kids' videos aren't as profitable anymore. Is that the mm-hmm. issue yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, when that came in, um, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure my content's for kids, and I. Uh, I switched a few uh, of my videos over for for kids, and like, yeah, it's horrible because you know uh, you lose all the comments. You ca- no yeah, one can add bad. your videos to playlists, you know. And and getting feedback from people is like such a huge part of you know what I enjoy about uh, being a YouTuber. It, it is really sad. Uh, I find like going into looking at old brick films or whatever, um, you kind of want to see what the comments are. Um, and you know, for a lot of them, it's like there's just no comments, and it it takes away so much of it. Like that, there's no like interaction. 
Um, and one of the things I like doing, you know, whether it's just like have a to sort of laugh at comments or whatever, uh, like I like seeing what other people's reactions were to things, and it's really weird not having that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's um, it is interesting. I think. Um, yeah, I agree. With what uh, saying, one of the yeah. things I do find as well. Um, I, I can say this now as like a, as someone who has hosted um, a uh, Thack. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Thack. I, I am familiar with Thack. I, I've never, unfortunately, I've never entered Thack. I, I feel like um, if I'm organised enough, I would like to do that. I think it'd be really fun. But I'm very aware of it, yes. <laughs> but like, but yeah, no, like now having like the playlists of, there's always going to be a few, you know, at least a few entries where they've their channel was set to like kids. And there's this whole thing of like, if they're unlisted, you can't um, actually put it on a playlist and then you have to tell them, can you, can you change the setting and all that kind of stuff. And it, it makes yeah. the whole thing... You know, it, it makes the whole thing sort of drag. <laughs> because we want to have the playlist with every entry in it. But then, yeah, there's these a certain number of entries we can't add to the playlist. And we have to start messaging the people. It's really annoying. <laughs> but then also on the other end, you've got people like that, that really want the playlist, you know, like as soon as possible. So it's like, yeah, he's got a battle. Yeah. yeah, like five minutes after the contest ends, he was like, where's the link to the playlist? <laughs> yeah. So I can't think of a single reason why videos that are designed for kids cannot be added to playlists. Um, I'm really unsure what the logic is there. Maybe you guys know. Um, it's it's all to do with um, laws about collecting information on people under 13. Uh, right. So, like, I'm not sure. It's complicated, I guess. But Wasn't actually... So this is the thing, and I don't know how how long I want to kind of get into this because it's kind of like going to be derailed <laughs> yeah. conversation, but, like, it wasn't part of the whole controversy about, like, advertising to kids. But, like, what I find really funny about that is, like, if you go on to, like, a, a, you know, like, a children's, like, TV channel, like, traditional, <laughs> like, I don't know, it's everything, the whole, it's so manipulative, the whole, the, like, the commercials all about, like, buy this thing now, buy this thing now, and it's really mad to me, like, like how well, the internet is, like, against that, but, like, traditional TV has always been, <laughs> you know. Well, the people on the internet who are concerned about that, that's not exactly... A legal concern, whereas the whole collecting information on kids is a legal concern. So, like, yeah. if kids are leaving comments, you know, the comment is saved in YouTube's database, you know, so it's collecting um, something that a kid has written, you know, or people, yeah, I guess people adding videos to playlists is the same. Like, if, if, uh, right, I don't know, th- it, th- there's two, there's two different concerns there. What I don't understand though is that if a kid is on the internet, almost every website they visit will be collecting data of the, on them of some kind. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what the situation is in America because I believe these are American laws, but I don't know how they're clamping down on every other website, basically. Well, you know, um, every website in its rules will say you, you're, you have to be 13 plus to make an account. Right, okay. Okay. So it's kind of like, I guess it's just one of those situations where, yeah, everybody knows that people under 13 are going to be using the internet. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, to, to conclude my adventure with this little uh, legal uh, curiosity of YouTube, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I uh, put my videos to for kids, or like some of them, and yeah, my, my earnings absolutely plummeted and I was getting uh, disappointed that I couldn't see the comments and all this. So I changed it back and um, YouTube messaged me saying like, you know, why do you want to change it back? 
and I simply said like you know actually I really value interaction from my fan base my content is for all ages it's not just yeah yeah kids. i was gonna say your stuff it's not specifically only you know it, it would appeal to people who are older than kids for sure yeah absolutely uh and, and it does and um you know like i said actually a lot of people who watch my content now are people who used to watch it when they were kids yeah. and now want to that nostalgia trip i guess um yeah. and anyway so anyway youtube then accepted my response and uh changed it back and i'm i will not go back to uh putting it for kids <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm I'm pretty sure Michael Hickox has kind of slowed down on making big films and uh, Titan Pictures has pretty much stopped, you know, and for a while he was posting on Twitter about how, like, yeah, the, the algorithm was, has completely screwed him and he's not getting any views or income anymore. Yeah, I think it is kind of mad, though, like Michael Hickox, like, yeah, I think I was just looking then on his YouTube channel. He hasn't uploaded anything since, like, for, like, nine months. Nine months, um, okay. Whether he's actually sort of just, like... Um, not doing any more i know that like because he used to post pretty um uh, relentlessly didn't he, he used yeah, to be he, he yeah. churning going, them out yeah really hard for a while there <laughs> yeah like once I mean, a week or something you know for, for a while and then like he would you know and you know some of the some of the views he'd get like <laughs> you know i think we're going like beyond 100 million wasn't it with some of them was it 100 million or yeah a lot of the older ones yeah but then when he was really when he was making videos very frequently most recently like it had you know, the algorithm had changed and it, was, it wasn't the same as it was. T- to be honest, this is something I'm kind of, well, I feel like I'm discovering now for myself. Now, obviously, I make very different content um, and the YouTube algorithm hasn't been too brutal against me uh, in the fact that, like, you know, like we were mentioning, my new video is, is doing pretty well. Um, but it's like it is a new world since I made my last big film, which was only like four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, well, in those four and five years is when all of the the big big news stories and changes occurred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I am trying to find my feet a bit um, now that I'm going back into making YouTube content again and trying to uh, relearn the ropes. Um, and yeah, the algorithm is a tough uh, thing to figure out. I don't think even YouTube know what the algorithm's doing anymore. I think it's <laughs> a black box, isn't it? It's so out of control. <laughs> it's just it's just gone out of control. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, since I uploaded my new video, it's like, well, initially in December, it was doing really well. And then since then, it's just kind of been a bit chaotic. Uh, January is always a bit of a weird time for YouTube. So yeah. it's just like, I don't know. I don't, know, I don't really know what the algorithm's doing with my channel, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, it's just riding the waves at the moment of views. I'm actually currently re-watching Lego Train Crash by Alexander Studios right now. And uh it's funny because like on the surface level, it, it reminds me of your work because, you know, it's like there's no dialogue and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a train chase, of course. But mm-hmm. like the first five minutes or so is people slowly walking around. <laughs> <laughs> it takes ages before you get to the actual chase portion of it. And it, and it's like a 12 minute film. So it's similar length to your uh, big films. But like your stuff is engaging the whole way through and it's a yeah. an action scene for the entire runtime. So yeah yeah that film definitely picks up towards the end it's it's a good point and um the thing is i think there are different aesthetic styles with lego animation like that like there is with um any medium um of filmmaking and i think some people really enjoy the kind of um 
there's like a sort of clean charm to Lego, isn't there? You know, your your nice grids, everything's built <laughs> up uh, quite nicely. And so just that kind of vibe of seeing Lego figures walking around, doing things. I think some people really like that. Um, I, I probably agree with you, Sean. It's a little bit dull to watch. Um, I'd rather see something like engaging uh, within yeah. the narrative happening. Um uh, and actually, when I, when I write uh, any of the storyboards for my films, I always think, like, what can I have at the beginning that sort of will bring people in, um, you know, or like at least in the first couple of minutes, something uh, engaging to happen? Because uh, I think that is important for getting people invested into the film, yeah, and then that will carry sure. them through to the end. Um Actually, for my latest film, The Barracuda Heist, I, I it's the first film I made with like kind of a really nice introduction sequence. And that entire introduction sequence was designed to introduce the setting, introduce some of the major characters, uh, which <laughs> will all come up later. And so, it, at least in my mind, that meant that the film would make more sense for people as they watch it and also get them invested in the film early on. So they actually stick through the entire 15 minutes. That's something that like is really valuable um, with like a great sort of like action sequence and not something that a lot of people probably think about too much when it comes to like, you know, the short kind of one time of a, you know, an average brick film. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's obviously a lot of brick films there. It's literally just, just the action. Whereas like, I like that with your films, you, especially with the your recent one, is how like, you know, you set up everything. So it's like, getting you prepared you're getting you're learning like sort of like i guess like the geography of it a bit but also like just like yeah everything that's kind of like gonna happen and then you know it kind of prepares you then for like the whole thing doesn't it you know yeah i i really appreciate that you said that will because sometimes i wonder like why am i putting sort of time into yeah sort of uh, dressing up the action sequence <laughs> uh you know with the location and uh perhaps even like um yeah like the kind of i guess the narrative that that sort of underlines the action sequence because in theory i could probably save a lot of time if i just make the action sequence and don't worry about any of the uh external stuff to that um but yeah i i appreciate your comments because i think it is really important to um include just a little bit of context to the action sequence you know it just has to be just a little bit that then yeah. really kind of it really adds because then when you're watching the action sequence it's like okay like this character did this because of this reason or you know this makes sense that these people would do that because of of whatever and yeah like with the um uh, my most recent pirate film i remember uh on, like, as I was mentioning when I was uh, going on these walks coming up with the film idea I was like you know a lot of pirate films take place in the Caribbean but it doesn't actually feel like it's in the Caribbean um, and like for example Pirates of the Caribbean it has Caribbean in the name mm-hmm. and I mean okay aesthetically it does kind of look like the Caribbean but there aren't actually that many Caribbean characters in it at all so I was thinking, right, I'm going to make, you know, try and really sell that this film is in that place of the world. Um, and I, you know, I did, uh, yeah, I tried to include that vibe as much as possible, both with the, <laughs> the set and the music and the characters. And then, uh, yeah, like, 
and also you know i tried to make it really feel like it was during the golden age of piracy with the uh, different and you know different groups you know you've got the pirates you've got the imperials you've got the local people who live there you know it's yeah i tried to really sell um that time and that place uh, in the film and i think that yeah. does add to the film yeah well, i was gonna say i think that that's one of the the most impressive things about your stuff is how it feels like the stuff the events are taking place in an actual world like, oh, that's a living world yeah thanks sean yeah Definitely. yeah that that's the thing and i i think you know i'm really pleased you said that because you know um obviously the, i'm not wasting my time by by doing that <laughs> um and uh yeah i think um doing that is really important uh again as a as a way of getting people invested and engrossed in the in the video and you know it mm-hmm. it, it means that they actually watch the film to the end um you know if they if there's that just little bit of like uh realism to it i think like um a lot of uh lego animators do pirate films and a lot of them are absolutely brilliant um and like actually i think this you know if you like lego and you like pirates there's so many great films you can watch now but i do think that a lot of these pirate films my own ones included from uh back in the day it's like you know it's just like there's just a ship in the middle of the the ocean with no explanation uh you know maybe there's like a big fort that the ship's going past and it's just sort of like there's no context to it it's just sort of like pirates against imperials that's it (laughs) and it's like uh you know i mean in some ways that's all you need but i definitely think uh, sprinkling a little bit of context and world building uh really does um make your film stand out and that's yeah. what i try to achieve with the the latest one i yeah. completely agree yeah thanks yeah <laughs> but um yeah i guess should we head over to the brick film showcase yes absolutely let's do it nice for those of you new to the podcast the brick film showcase is an opportunity for each of us to talk about brick films that either mean a lot to us or that we want to talk about in general nice so uh i guess i'll start when um my pick was True Love Waits uh, by Chris Boyer, also known as Sloth Paladin, also known as Robots with Knives. <laughs> and and he was co-producing his films with Brian Bridges at this point in time. Okay. Yeah, like it was uh, funny and I was, I was trying to find a, a, a you know a film to pick. Um, and I was trying to, I wanted something that was pirate themed. I was scrolling through Rick Films Wiki and um, yeah, so I came across this one. <laughs> um, also, I, I was familiar with it before. It was a while since I last saw it. But um, yeah, I thought this was a an apt pick uh, with space pirates, and um, yeah, it's uh, kind of you know. Um, I remember talking to to Chris, uh, I think about this um, way back in like one of the very first episodes of the podcast, um, and uh, you know, talk about like his inspirations from like you know if it being like a like a B movie. Yeah, I just love how like uh, the sort of directions this goes, uh, where you have these people like you know turning into were pirates. I really love actually uh, the acting in this is pretty funny as well. <laughs> I love the, the screams. <laughs> that was the first thing that caught my attention was the the screaming. <laughs> yeah, all the voice acting is really funny. Uh, yeah, one of the, one of the things as well like, that kind of um, drew my attention a bit was just like the uh, it having like it doesn't even have three hundred views, which I thought was crazy. <laughs> I I always imagined it being something that like I don't know, a decent amount of people have seen. <laughs> well, you know, it's it was a a classic in the brickfilms.com community was Attack 2 entry in 2006. So, mm-hmm. you know, the upload you're watching now is, is a much 
long after the fact upload. Right, okay. Yeah, because um, actually, uh, in terms of the ambition of the film, it's pretty amazing. Like, like you're saying, I'm, I'm surprised it has so few views on YouTube. That that must be down to the upload date more than anything. Because, um, yeah, back in 2006, this would have been mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course, you know, this is from the era when people would download the file directly. Like, Yeah, yeah, be- yeah. Before view counts. <laughs> It's, it's definitely true what you say as well about getting that B-movie vibe across. Uh, it does that really well. Um, that makes it a sort of, yeah, uh, enjoyable in, in that respect. Mm-hmm. I also really like the um, non-Lego elements that he's added to it, like the, the city kind of, like, um, build. Um, I thought that was really well done. And, like, especially considering that, like, it was, you know, at least largely done during Thack, um, it's pretty ambitious. Was was that a, yeah. a fact entry or? Well, the version that was released for Tack is shorter. This is like a you know they they finished it later. Right. Okay. That seems to be how a lot of these fact projects go. <laughs> like, um, yeah, like it's unfinished and then they make it into a bigger uh, thing afterwards. Um, as far as I remember, the uh, the cities, the the interesting city build is like, I think they had that left over from. Um, the robotic turkey brick film that they made in 2005, which is also certainly worth a watch. <laughs> I'm going to subscribe to this guy. This this is great. But yeah, it's, it's a really large scale for the time period. Um, the the space effects, like the flying ships, uh, is really impressive. I'm not quite sure actually how they've done it. Uh, whether that's... I mean, it just looks so good. Are they hanging by ropes or something? Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's on a string, although it, the, the movement actually seems really consistent. You know, usually if you hang something on a string, it's bouncing all over the place and just looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It looks like they've pulled it off with stop motion. Like, the the, the objects are stationary, but it's like... But but how? I Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, they've, they've always been really impressive with in terms of, like, special effects and stuff, which I think... You see, if you watch like more of the videos as well, I I do highly recommend, especially uh, I'm not sure if it's on on this channel or uh, Chris's other channel, but um, yeah, Beyond the Eleventh Dimension, which is uh, you know similar vibes to this, but on a kind of much uh, bigger scale in in sort of mm-hmm. like HD era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, it is sort of like this times a hundred. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will. Uh, yeah. After the podcast, I am definitely going to check uh, this guy out because, um, yeah, I can see there's definitely like some really good um, techniques being deployed here. Mm-hmm. And if this is what they're doing in 2006, I want to see what they did later. So, <laughs> if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure he said that um, like they were having a hard time making the dialogue for the police officers corny enough, and they were like, you know they'd watch Plan 9 from Outer Space, like, bring it up so that they could accurately make the dialogue worse. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, uh, the you know, the guy in the, in the car and, like, um, oh, I love you, Patricia. <laughs> All the dialogue and that. So that's really funny. Goes back to what you're saying about B-movies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, should we, uh, I guess, head over to, yeah, Penta, your, your pick okay. to showcase. So I decided to pick a film called Train to Catch by David Boddy, who was known either as uh, Bodville or PE668. And yeah, I, I mentioned earlier that I specifically chose this one because it actually reminded me of your own work. Right, that, okay. Yeah, there's, there's no dialogue and it's very action-oriented and, and it's a, a chase sequence, you know, and, and there's 
a lot of different sets. Like it's always moving from one set to the next, and and it's pretty early for a, a film like this. Like it's two thousand and eight. He made it, and uh, I remember it from the time. And he he entered it into two different official Lego contests in two thousand and eight, and he managed to win the second one. <laughs> wow. Um, but. Yeah, actually, an interesting thing about this guy is that, you know, we often remark that there's, n- there's not a lot of crossover between people who create mocks and people who make brick films. But he came from, you know, before he was making brick films, he was just making large Lego displays. And like, I, I think at conventions, he'd do big train layouts. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, plays into this film being a, about a, a train. And, but yeah, it's just a, a fun film that's like really frenetic, although... As far as I remember, he did full 30 FPS stop motion. And for my tastes, everything is too fast. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, though, like you're saying, this is an early um, example of a, a an action sequence. I mean, the fact that he went in all in for 30 frames a second mm-hmm. is incredible. It is crazy. I mean, <laughs> I can't even imagine how long uh, this must have taken. And, like, the animation is just really enjoyable to watch i mean mm-hmm. i i agree i'm definitely not like a 30 fps fan uh i generally prefer people shooting in twos so like 12 frames or 15 frames a second but like you know somehow i feel like with this animator he pulls it off that is like sort of his style of animation um, yeah oh, there certainly is style to it yeah yeah uh it's like I feel like you could have shown me this video and not told me who it was from, and I would have recognized, like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, it's that, it's you know, it's that animator, just because like yeah. it's so like the music as well. The music's fantastic in this. Mm. Yeah, I think he had a friend who did original music for him. No way! So it's, is it an original? It's an original score, or is it just like certainly some of his other Rick films do have original music? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because it's really good. The music. The um, um that shot, like when. The guy falls is is so good, and then like he lands and he turns to a skeleton and yeah, so good. <laughs> and then they like there's always that like dark twist to the to this guy's films I've noticed. <laughs> I just love as well the the ending when the guy is going on the briefcase, Spider Man comes along and he <laughs> and it's like made to be the hero. <laughs> <laughs> so good, but yeah, it's huge huge scale of sets, uh, really impressive. Yeah, and I guess that that also is what you know reminded me of your work. No, I can see, I can see how you're uh, drawing the link then, and actually, I'm quite flattered that you're uh, comparing me to this guy because I think this guy is extremely ambitious with his set design and stuff, um, and and the animation and the the narrative. Um, something that is funny uh, is that the um, the scene where he's climbing on the crane, I, I have an almost identical scene in my um, bank robbery scene when he's just climbing along the top. Um, yeah, so that's quite that's quite just... funny. There's there's a lot that happens in this film. Like it's even though it's only like it's like a minute and a bit. Yeah, it's just like there's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah, g- great choice. Action on cranes and action on trains. Those, those always hit in films. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually really like the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, in yeah, this they're as really well. really strange. They were green screened and the backgrounds are created in lego digital designer wow uh, really yeah okay he green screened it there's a there's a behind the scenes picture on the wiki um that shows one of the ldd builds that he made for the backgrounds no way 
And he actually managed to combine them really well. Like, even though, obviously, you, you know the background is digital, but, like, it actually looks surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I didn't really think about it too much. I sort of assumed that most of it would have been, a, like, a, yeah, a backdrop, um, that, like, a... a yeah, an image or something. And then you see as well, like the there's like several layers as well yeah. of backgrounds that move. Yeah, you know, yeah. The train and stuff. But I actually feel like I like the look of of these digital backgrounds better than a lot of the other digital set extensions that people were doing in this era. Yeah. <laughs> you know the Nick Duran films. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, should we talk about the third showcase pick? Yeah. So um, yeah, great, great picks, <laughs> uh, both of you actually, but they were both great. Um, so yeah, I've chosen. Um, the Quest for the Platinum Waffle by E-Animation. Nice. And I actually, can I just do a shout out to one that I considered, but I ended up choosing this one instead. Um, yeah, sure. Which was uh, Plastic Love, uh, Henry and mm. Edmund episode uh, by Maxime <laughs> Marion. Because that that film is incredible and everyone should watch it. Uh, yes. Anyway, so back to my actual choice. Uh, Quest for the Platinum Waffle uh, yeah, I chose this because um, it's an early animation. Um, it has an incredible frame rate, uh, a bit like uh, the the um, Train to Catch um, that Sean chose. Um, the comedy, um, you know, I'd say is pretty tight throughout the animation. Uh, there's a few, there's a few uh, odd jokes in there, but like on whole, the comedy is absolutely excellent. Um, and the main reason I chose this film for the showcase is the um, action sequence involving a wonderful fight scene uh, between Indiana Jones and a whole bunch of skeletons uh, set to the music of Orpheus in the Underworld by Offenbach, otherwise known as the Can Can song, um, (laughs) which is one of the best examples of music and action timing in a Lego animation, I think, that exists. Mm. Um, and I always like to try and incorporate, uh, good music in my films. And I think this was definitely, uh, part of the inspiration behind that. Um, so yeah, Quest of the Platinum Waffle, mm-hmm. uh, by yeah. E-Animation. Yep. That's, That's a great choice. observation about, yeah, the timing. Cause I've been, yeah. yeah, I think everybody who started this, the time we did remembers the animation well. And the, of course, average Death Star day, I think everybody knows. Yeah. But, um, whenever I revisit this film, even though the quality is horrendous, I'm always, <laughs> always impressed that the animation itself actually holds up really well. And the, the comedy actually, for the most part, holds up really well. This it's, is, it's, this is yeah. the thing. I mean, it, it looks like the, the resolution is horrific. I mean, I totally agree. Um, but like the, the dedication to the animation, d- despite the hardware, is just, you got to appreciate that. Yeah. And, and uh, as far as I remember, um, they did... 24 fps animation 24 fps yeah that seems about right um also i mean you might know this sean because i've never known how this has been done the the sequence with the whip where like indiana (laughs) jones whips his like the the guy he's with how was that done i have absolutely no idea um every time i see it, i'm just like i cannot figure that out um it's yeah he just gets his incredible uh whip action um in full 24 FPS. I don't know how on earth he did it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure because yeah, it, it it does look incredible like the the motion of the whip. Are, actually, is it just that it's like a uh, one of those plastic ties that 
you can just manipulate like basically like a tiny armature. Maybe. Is it like a like a pipe cleaner? Like I have one of these just so happens to be on the desk now. You know, it's like something you'd use to tie cables together, I think. Okay, you know, that could be it. I mean, it's had me stumped for so many years, but that could be it. <laughs> but like, yeah, like you say, like, I think some of the, you know, if anyone's listening to this now and decides to watch this film, I think some of the, some of the humour is, is okay, it's, it's all right. But then some of the moments are just absolutely hilarious. Something I always remember about this film is that in 2008, uh, it was like there was a plague of low quality Indiana Jones brick films. <laughs> like they were absolutely endless. You know, most of them would be forgotten now. But at the time, it felt like you, you couldn't move for all the Indiana Jones films that were coming out. And Absolutely. people on Bricks in Motion would always complain about them. But usually when people would start complaining about them, somebody would say, oh, well, what about Indiana Scones and the Quest of the Platinum Waffle? That was a good one. And everybody would be like, OK, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and they're right to say that. Yeah. Because I was actually part of that wave. I've, I remember the uh, Crystal Skull had, had come out in the cinema. <laughs> Um and yeah, I think I actually watched Platt, uh, Indiana Scones. I forgot to mention it's Indiana Scones. Where well, good point, Sean. Uh, <laughs> Quest of the Platinum Waffle. Yeah, I watched that film and I was like, I'm gonna make my own Indiana Jones film. Um, so I think I have one. It's called um, Quest for the Crystal Block or something. I can't remember I, exactly. Funny enough, I was actually just um, as we when you do these showcases, I like to like watch through the um the films. As we talk about them, yeah. and as we were, as we were doing that, you know, you started talking about it. I was like, I realized I was watching your film instead of um, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many Indiana Jones brick films. You could be watching any of them, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. When those when those Crystal Skull sets came out, my my one. I'm just gonna say now, my one um, is definitely not as good as the uh, Quest for the Plasma and Waffle. I have actually got a funny story. I don't think I've ever shared this before. When it comes to like the, when I very, very first started watching Brick films, because I talk about when I first watched Brick films, really I'm talking like 2014, 2015, when I was just about starting. Yeah. But I did actually start watching, uh, I think the first time I, I properly encountered Brick films was probably around 2010, maybe 2009, 2010. Yeah. Um, and I was like looking on, you know, on the internet. And I, was, I remember being really obsessed with Raiders of the Lost Brick, the like CGI Lego video that they did and um i uh i I remember watching i was always trying to find those kind of videos that were like similar quality to the 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 cutscenes in the video game and i see like loads of like recommended i'd see like all these like other films and i remember being so really put off by the low quality um (laughs) of the the videos and i'd be like oh yeah i don't i don't want to watch any of these like stop motion things that people have made and that put me off watching brick films for a good like (laughs) a few years (laughs) Yeah, the um, like Sean was saying, there, there was a there was a lot of uh, Indiana Jones Lego Lego films that were made uh, in that two thousand eight uh, wave. Um, but yeah, I think um, Platinum and Waffle definitely stands out amongst them, and also I think amongst all Brick films, um, especially for that um, musical action sequence. I still feel like it's one that people I hear people talk about. Yeah, today. people still talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I know, because um, for the showcase, I think we're trying to promote films that might not be so well known. And this definitely probably doesn't fit into that. Um, well, you know, we we say that people still bring it up. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you're talking about newer brick filmers, you'd be very surprised when they, they don't know an older brick film that you think everyone should know. Even earlier when I was saying, oh, yeah, everybody knows the beer song. 
I, you know, suddenly I was thinking to myself, I bet if I linked the beer song in the BIM Discord now and asked the, the, the newer members if they know it, they'd have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. So that that's interesting. So there's... Uh, I think Lego Lego Brick Film is getting to the point where there's now generations of Brick oh, yeah. Filmers. Yeah, that's uh, that's something to think about. Yeah, because like I think um, uh, Platinum and Waffle has like around a million views, um, but that million could have been a wave that happened, you know, a decade ago. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, everyone should go watch the Platinum and Waffle. Don't expect good resolution, but do expect <laughs> a very entertaining Brick Film. And there's some other e-animation brick films from back then that would be less well-known that are worth checking out, like Spilled Milk is a really good one. Again, especially for the animation. I've definitely seen that, but I have not seen it in a very, very long time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to re-watch that. Oh, yeah, I did actually want to briefly uh, mention about um, the yeah, Crest of uh, Time and Waffles. One of the uh, gags I really liked was the um, when you you know you have the the big the boulders coming coming over and you think the gag is oh yeah it's small and then just as that happens it, it comes over you know on the, on the side and knocks one over <laughs> this is what it's i mean really it's funny. moments like that it's just the 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 timing the comedic timing is just perfect yeah. and like the fact that it's like a double bluff is just perfect yeah, it does feel um, like more genuinely well-constructed comedy than a lot of other Rick films. Yeah, yeah. And it's like when they're walking into that, it's like, what kind of place is this? And there's like just a gift shop, just like random inside the tomb. <laughs> but you know, I almost forgot, uh, you made the, the Kraken Brick film. And in more recent years, E-Animation has actually returned to making Brick films. And uh, most notably in 2019, made a film called Lego Kraken Attack that has a really impressive uh, Kraken scene. Yeah, I've seen that, and that's great. And I, I, I don't think he used Lego for the Kraken, right? He used uh, something, some other kind of model. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's modeling clay, yeah. Yeah, it's very... Okay, modeling clay, wow. So it's it's very stylized, like, that that film. And, um, yeah, the, the quality of production, I think, is really high. Um, yeah, yeah, great film. Maybe maybe he should be a, a future guest. <laughs> for sure. Oh, I, I would look forward to that episode if you had him on, for sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, funny you mentioned the Kraken video, because we've not mentioned the Kraken video, but actually it is my most... I think now it is my most watched video. Um, yeah, actually, when I was talking about how your new video had like 700,000 views, and to most of us, that's like, we'll, we'll never see a video with 700,000 views. But I was just thinking to myself, you know, I was like, oh yeah, that's so great, isn't it? You're still getting a video with 700,000. Then I was thinking, oh wait, he, he had a video with 44 million. So that's like, <laughs> that's probably nothing to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, like when I made the Kraken film, it was very interesting because I, I just made... Um, the bank robbery film the year before and that was doing very well uh and i think also my pirate film that i made for the police chase trilogy was doing very well and i came up with the idea for the kraken video the summer of 2015 and i just remember thinking to myself like this will go viral i was very like i was very confident that this idea of doing like a kraken attacking lego would go viral uh, and lo and behold, I was correct. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not correct in most things, but this time I was correct. Um, and But I could have never imagined it being as successful as it has been. And uh, believe it or not, even today, um, gosh, six or seven years after I made it, uh, maybe six and a half years, uh, it's still my most watched video per day, if that makes sense. Wow. 
yeah um wow. so that's uh yeah that 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 video has been uh, an absolute blessing to the channel to be honest and uh yeah um and that's I, another thing as well like i mean we mentioned this briefly before but like um you know break, a lot of break films have the opportunity you have the chance to be like real like, evergreen content um i think that is the like, you know say the type the timelessness of of them and i definitely feel that with with your films like um you know, like you can very easily just go, you know, go through, watch, watch through. I think especially like from like the Lego London Bank Robbery onwards, and like there's they haven't like I don't feel like they've aged particularly, you know, significantly. I think in terms of quality and like your I don't know the way you've enhanced your like animation and and all that kind of stuff. But like they're still like really really enjoyable films that haven't really aged. <laughs> yeah, thank thanks, Will. Um... Like yeah, I think you you you're right. I and it's something that you can't necessarily predict when you're making uh, a brick film, but like um yeah, the Kraken film, like you say, um it's an evergreen film. I don't know that's the term that you use. Uh, it it seems to always captivate people, uh, and I think every time it comes up in people's recommended videos, they just want to rewatch it. And, um, yeah, because I think actually, like, the Kraken, I mean, it had pretty terrible lighting. There were issues with the way it was made. I made it in, I filmed it in two months, which is, like, a record uh, record time for um, my more re- recent films. Um, and I only took about a month to edit. Um, but, yeah, it all just sort of came together. I think the, the actual content was very exciting and dramatic. Um and I think that, that that's the reason I think people uh, uh, are coming back to rewatch it because of that feeling you get from the narrative. Yeah. Um, and um, I wanted to to mention actually, this is a really bizarre inspiration. So um, a lot of people point out that that film was probably inspired by Pirates of the Caribbean two, uh, which has a kraken monster attack, and that is absolutely true. Yes, it was very heavily so, in fact. Um, but what was actually the the um, this is a really bizarre like inspiration. Um, what actually um, made me decide to like go all out with like a monster attack and make it kind of uh, you know everyone's trying to fight for their lives was I watched a YouTube video called um, I think it's just like something to do with a ball pit. Uh, it's like have you ever heard of Rocket Jump? Uh, like Freddie Wong and what Rocket Jump? Yeah, YouTuber. Yeah. So he made a video that was meant to be like this ball pit video in their workplace where they bring all these like, um, uh, you know, like kids play, um, I don't know what, play area, like ball pit kind of balls. They just had them all in the office. And then the the, the film was meant to start out like, oh yeah, we're just having a bit of fun. And then it dissolves into it like, um, sorry, degrades into this terrible situation where this ball pit monster appears and starts like eating people. And everyone's like fighting for their lives. And I remember I watched that film um, while I was studying at university, like 2014, 2015. I was just like, okay, my next film is going to be a monster film because this is absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, <laughs> and then later I had the idea to make it the Kraken from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Um, so yeah, that's just like a little fact about wh- where I got the inspiration from that. It's just this random YouTube video uh, that was really well made. Uh, that I definitely recommend watching. I can't remember the exact title of that that video, but if you basically type in rocket jump and ball pit, it'll it will come yeah. up. 
I'm sure we'll find it for the edit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I wanted to say about we're, we've been talking about the, the timelessness of stop motion. I think a large part of the appeal of a video like this, you know, why it's so universal with so many views and stuff is that it's so tactile in that like the water is a sheet and you can tell it's a sheet, but you like that. It's very charming. You know, I feel like it, it wouldn't have the same charm if you just had a bunch of CG water. <laughs> yeah, I I totally uh, agree, Sean. And, um, you know, I have had people usually, uh, if I'm being honest, usually older people to, uh, to, to ask me like, you know, why do you do stop motion? Why don't you do CGI? You know, isn't that like easier and um, or, or, or quicker, less time consuming? And there probably is definitely some truth to that. Um, but it's the, the the aesthetic of stop motion mm-hmm. is unparalleled. Um, and like you say, yeah, so the sea will be made out of a nice cloth. Um, and it's like, it doesn't even really matter what you use. So as long as it looks nice on a camera, it just adds to the visual. Yeah, um, but I think the, the I think the viewer just likes the feeling uh, of that it's it's made with things that you know they could make it in their own house. Yeah, I I agree actually. I I think actually that's the appeal of brick films to a lot of people is the mm-hmm. accessibility of it. It's like it's something that they're very familiar with, yeah. um, and you know people can watch a brick film, and not only do they think wow, like you know. They, they understand what it is and what's going on. They, they can see sometimes like the actual technique that was used yeah. to make it. And it, what's great is when someone is someone who has never had any experience in stop motion watches a Lego animation and they can actually figure out in their minds, like how it's being made. How it's made. Yeah. Yeah. And it blows their minds because of course, stop motion <laughs> is an amazing mind blowing thing. Um, and, you know, I think that's part of the appeal because, so so recently I watched a film by, uh, you've probably heard of him, Leica Studios. They're based uh, in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I watched uh, Missing Link. And, you know, I was absolutely, because I went into the film knowing it was stop motion. And I was absolutely blown away by just the incredible technique and, like, um, stop motion mastery that those guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... I, pretty much unparalleled in terms of technique i think in in the world um incredibly smooth animation but the the issue with that of course is that you show that to someone who you know doesn't know what stop motion is or whatever and you 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 don't it's like they they probably would think it's cgi because it looks like cg yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, i was i was i was i knew where you were going with that because i feel the exact same way it's absolutely incredible on a technical level but I think they went too far. I think it just looks like CG and, yeah, and it loses know, that stop motion. You know, if anyone from Like has listened to this, uh, to this yeah. podcast, please let me be clear. I think what you guys are doing <laughs> is absolutely incredible and, and unparalleled. And, you know, everyone has their own artistic vision and, you know, they now want to achieve a different aesthetic to, to what I want to achieve. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Sean. I just think when you're making a stop motion, you want, people to realize it's a stop motion you want yeah you want it to have that stop motion feel um, when you um when you were saying about like that with with uh missing link i was waiting for that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and, and i feel like a lot of people um do feel that um and I, I think it's it's something that i've noticed i think as with with the Leica films in general like as they've gone like each with each one uh you think of like, like i don't know like 
Coraline. I really feel like you you feel the stop motion. Yeah, Coraline's great. Yeah, um, I love, her. love her. And also Paranorman as well. I mean, I love both of those films so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like as they kind of went on though, like they become more and more, I guess, impressive on the technical level, but they feel less and less. Um, I guess in a way, less and less relatable in that sense because mm-hmm. you don't really feel that uh, same kind of thing of like, oh yeah, I can, I can feel that it's it's stop motion. Yeah, yeah I mean, Missing um, Link just gives me this nagging feeling of if you wanted it to look like CG, why didn't you make it in CG? <laughs> yeah, I'd rather, I'd like, rather it look like know, stop motion. I mean, I would, I would never say this to anyone who works in like in person because obviously, <laughs> I, you know, you have to recognize the the time that's gone into it. But it's like, yeah. You know, if from a creative point of view, I just think that they went like too far with it. You may as well have made it from CG. It does remind me of the whole thing with like, um, not 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 quite the same because I mean at least it does in a visual level. It's very nice, but like, it does remind me a bit of like the whole motion capture thing. And when they were trying to like in the two thousands, when they were trying to kind of make CGI as realistic as possible, and it gets to the point of like you're doing things like with with humans and stuff, and like why don't you just have humans? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of reminds me of that you know <laughs> yeah absolutely it's like yeah. you know stop motion is always an impressive uh technique to use because of the amount of dedication that's involved but i think like with any um technique for film you really want to try and uh push what is unique about that technique um to to make well you, you want to uh, take the positives of that technique and like push that um not um try and hide that um so yeah i think when when you're doing a stop motion um you know you don't need to try and you want to try and simulate some degree of realism to it of course and but you can like push it too far there's like a there's like a trade-off in my in Mm -hmm. my view i think there is like a certain point um like there's a and again i'm not i don't think um i'm not against anyone who does put in you know a lot of effort when it comes to like i know talking about brick film specifically yeah with doing like cg stuff especially if the graphics are good and they blend in well with the you know the backgrounds or whatever um but i do think that there was a sense of like the you know over like seven plus years now of being like brick filming one thing i've noticed is like over time i've tried to like improve uh everything from like you know animation set design cinematography um like pretty much every element but I haven't really kind of gone beyond that in terms of like, oh yeah, I'm going to work on After Effects or anything like that. I've never really even touched it. Um, but I, I think that what I've kind of come from that is like, well, I just want to do as much as I possibly can in camera and be like practical as possible. Yeah. And I've actually grown to to really like that that style. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there was a certain point where like, I don't know, maybe it was something like someone's watching a TV or something and, you know, have like a graphic for that or whatever. But like, as much as I possibly can, I like to blend. I like. I like to have like um, practical effects, whether it's like explosions or, you know, like um, water or you know. And that's something that I noticed as well that with with Gun your films, I was looking. Well, yeah. I was looking at like your, your like the, the, the Kraken, yeah, and the Kraken film as well, like the all the effects and stuff in that, and it's a, it becomes a really nice like look. I think that something that I, I guess a lot of stop motion animators may not that may take for granted is that um, seeing how something is made can actually be really cool. Uh, Cause you're kind yeah. of the whole time 
because if you're under no illusion that it's not you know that it's stop motion it's like you're kind of like oh that's so cool i didn't realize you could do that with this element i think it's one of the cool things about lego in general like when you look at like mocks and and, and things like that and like the big builds people make is like oh i didn't realize you could use that piece for for this yeah. and i think it's the same with with like with with brick filming it's like i didn't realize you could do that effect so i think it's just really i think it's just a really cool thing in general to do try and add that kind of practical effects and stuff mm-hmm. i yeah i i totally agree with what you're uh saying will um yeah i think you i i like i'm exactly the same so i try and do everything or at least as much as i can just uh with the camera work and uh on camera like when guns go off or cannons go off you know i'll use like a, a laser pointer or something to get like a light effect um or you know tr- i just try and keep it all within the stop motion there are times i do masking to like make things fly around and stuff but i try yeah. and avoid it at a, wherever possible uh so yeah i guess it's like a, a a creative philosophy thing i think um you know yeah I, i'm definitely somebody who likes to avoid uh as much cgi or editing work as i can <laughs> i, I yeah. do since i i always say is it's kind of like a funny thing it's like uh with the way that like some brick films i've seen and like it's never really changed like the whole time i've been doing brick film i feel like it's you can go back to like no the, the 2000s to like to present day there's always going to be some brick films where you have like a thousand layers on premiere and after effects yeah. and then there's like a single jpeg floating <laughs> on a background uh, and i think that for a lot of people i think maybe some people just don't like realize how much you can do practically and that how like it can end up being uh, you know so much better <laughs> in the end but yes yeah, i feel like it is it's kind of undervalued if people might the, the concept that the audience actually likes to see how something was made and i feel like that's why the lego kraken uh, managed to hit really big as part of it is what i mean yeah, the Lego Kraken is definitely uh, rough around the edges, I would say. Uh, I mean, I, I recorded it in uh, my old studio, which is in uh, my parents' house's attic. So when <laughs> I came home for the summer, I'd spend just like days on end in the, the attic. Of course, I did enjoy my summer holidays with my with my friends who also lived in my hometown as, as well. I'd like to point that out. But for the most part of the day, I would be spending in the attic. It would be absolutely boiling in there as well. So I had to have the windows open. I can imagine, yeah. And like, as anyone um, will tell you uh, when you're getting into stop motion, and certainly a lot of people in the YouTube comments repeatedly told me, you should never have natural lighting when doing stop yeah. motion. Uh, but, hmm. you know, I decided I would sacrifice the um, uh, the lighting of my film for my own personal comfort. I mean, to be fair, it probably was worthwhile because I'm not sure I would have finished. I probably would have died from heat stroke if I hadn't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, the point is, like, yeah, the, the Kraken film um, was rough around the edges. You know, there were definitely flaws in the technique. Um, but, you know, somehow it's, you know, it definitely has that stop motion charm. Uh, and people can kind of watch it and be like, wow, this is what someone made with his Lego collection um just just for for fun and you can understand the kind of work that went yeah. into it and uh and, yeah that's probably part of the appeal for sure and of course i have a similar philosophy where i want to try to do as many things in camera as possible but i am willing to acknowledge that uh, i i quite like that philosophy specifically because i'm too lazy to learn blender <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same. I'm exactly the same yeah because you know, that, as fair. long as 
That's fair. I have nothing. I, I like um, you know good uses of incorporating digital work, especially the stuff Sanjira has been doing. It's uh, combining stop motion and uh, stuff done in Blender is incredible. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that that certainly that's. One one reason why I really like the whole in camera practical effects thing is because I I just don't want to have to learn a new program. <laughs> yeah, I I can totally understand that. Yeah, I think actually like e- even when I'm animating, I'm thinking like, oh, for goodness sake, I've I need to like um make this object fly. That means I'm gonna have to do like masking later, and it's just like <laughs> I try and avoid that wherever yeah. possible. You know, just to, to, to lower the amount of workload for later. Yeah, actually, that's just, yeah something I do as well. I, I try to hide the supports in camera and not not even out of like, oh, it's so authentic. I, even the supports are hidden in camera, but just because I don't want to have to edit it out later. <laughs> Absolutely. But what's funny about that is when you come up with some like crazy, like blue tax, like weird Lego structure to like hold one thing in like yeah. the perfect place, just, just so you can like have the structure hidden behind. It's like, yeah. I, I think that's... I feel like we've kind of made it kind of clear, uh, like already. But the thing I wanted to kind of just like stress, I guess, in a way, is that like um, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with like using CGI and stuff in brick films because there are like yeah. they said they. I feel like really in the end of the day, there's no like right or wrong way no. to make a brick film. But I think it's a matter of like artistry. You, you, I think you need to be passionate about and and really put like a, a, a real effort in whatever like. Uh, direction you go with it and I feel like it needs to kind of fit the style that you're kind of going for as well yeah. I mean it's yeah. like like you were saying about um, you know sometimes you see the brick films with just a, a floating PNG of a <laughs> ship going around and it's not cohesive uh, yeah. with the you know it doesn't gel with the stop motion and the other shots whereas like somebody like again Sanjira <laughs> you know everything he does it's all cohesive in one shot it, it all clicks together because yeah, he's just putting the effort into. It's really just a matter of experience and, like, you know, over time you you learn. It's like when you when you're new and you first discover how to put like a TV screen in your brick film digitally, and you just you put it on there and it's just flat, and you don't you don't yeah. change the colors, you don't change the transparency, <laughs> you know, the contrast or anything. It, yeah. You just think, wow, it's a screen, yeah. amazing. But yeah. like, over time, you learn there's so much more you can do to make it actually gel into the shot. Yeah, I do want to give a, a brief shout out to one film that, like, is a a rare exception for the single PNG floating uh, kind of thing. Uh, Orcs in Space by uh, Saw, which came out was, was actually an entry in Manifest. Um, I absolutely love that film. We didn't actually it didn't actually place, but I absolutely it was still a film that I really loved because. Um, it's hard to kind of explain, but somehow. Well, that the... was like super intentional. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. it really, fat, it really like the the style. There was a real style to it, <laughs> and I really enjoyed that one. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, I actually really like. I really like Duffy Saw uh, in general. Actually, his stuff is really is really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to explain why that that works. <laughs> I think it goes back to what you're saying before, Sean. That it's like basically you can do any technique you want. So long as that technique like realizes a certain aesthetic or like yeah. a creative vision that you have, yeah, creative vision for so sure. So it's like you can try and achieve something and you can fall short because your technique's not good enough, and that could look not so great. But like if you've got like a a, a sort of creative direction in mind, uh, yeah. like people can agree or disagree whether they like that or not. 
but ultimately it's like you've achieved an aesthetic and hmm. if everything falls into that same aesthetic then it's worked yeah. well i think it, it needs to be yeah it yeah. needs to be intentional because i think like yeah. any like with any when it comes to i don't know like rules or whatever when it comes to filmmaking um you know in, in many ways they are sort of there to sort of to be for, for some you know if you're creative to be kind of broken um but you need to be if you're going to break those rules you need to or like do something that is kind of like not seen as conventionally kind of the way that you'd want to do something it needs to be done in a way which is aware of the walls and is like intentionally doing that if that makes sense you need to be you need to kind of understand those walls to some degree and i think it's kind of it is kind of like that (laughs) yeah it is it is like that it's like going back to these people we've been talking about like leica studios um even like the um the kiddie lego videos we were talking about it's like all of these people and projects go for a certain aesthetic which like although i may not necessarily um like appreciate as much as other aesthetics it's like they've still achieved that aesthetic that they were set out setting out to do mm-hmm. and so and for the people and you know many people enjoy that so it's like um yeah like any anyone who directs anything you make a creative decision and um you know you either succeed in achieving that or or you don't absolutely yeah but you know we often get to a point in these podcasts where we we have to start saying you know it feels like we could keep on talking for hours but <laughs> we should yeah, probably wrap yeah. things up here yeah i was yeah. just gonna say that yeah it's, it's getting to a point isn't it? i'm sure um, yeah to, to be honest it's just nice to have an opportunity to talk about brick films yeah because it's like true, yeah you know i've got a lot of you know i've got a lot of friends and uh family as well who love talking about uh you know movies ge- just generally uh, and I, I do enjoy that as well. But like Brick Films specifically, it's a very like niche, a little pocket mm-hmm. of a pocket of cinema. And uh, yeah, I've, I've, well, I mean, I've really enjoyed just being able to have a, a thorough chat uh, about that um, that topic. So yeah, yeah, it is unique to have this platform where we can get to have really in-depth conversations, get so specific talking about Brick Filming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, thanks for doing what you're doing. This is... Um, it's been a it's been a lot of fun being part of this uh, podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's um uh it's been an absolute pleasure. Um it's been really great to meet you both and I look forward to listening to um the next episodes of this podcast. Um it's been really mm-hmm. fun. So, see ya. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.